welcome to Farm to Fork, a program dedicated to exploring how food and drink are produced, delivered, and served throughout the Pioneer Valley. In every episode, we speak with some of the brightest lights in the Valley's culinary world, from gleaners, gatherers, hunters, fishermen, farmers, and packagers, to brewers and restaurateurs, and everyone in between. My name is Jessica, co-host Sue Timberlake, and show producer Tom Clark joined me in the studio. It is Fun Drive Week here at Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, and we need your help to reach our goal of raising $5,000. We'd like to continue to expand our operation to include a two-week archive system so that if you miss listening to your favorite show, the two most recent shows will be available to listen to again. There are four ways that you can donate right now. You can go to valleyfreeradio.org forward slash donate and make a one-time donation by clicking on the Donate Now button. You can sign up for a subscription donating $5, $10, $50 each month. You can mail a check or money order made out to Valley Free Radio to the station at 140 Pine Street, Florence, Massachusetts, uh, zip code 01062. Or you can click on wish list and donate a piece of equipment that the station needs. Thank you for supporting your local volunteer-run community radio station. Um, oh, and I also have five uh, River Valley Co-op gift cards, $5 each. If you would like to make any amount of donation, you can stop by uh, the station and grab one of those at 140 Pine Street and uh, yeah, hand in your donation. So today we'll be talking with uh, Rev Deli, recent facilitating director and president of the board of Permaculture Association of the Northeast, otherwise known as PAN. So Rev, how did this uh, association get its start? Well, first of all, thank you for having us on. Uh, we're just delighted to be here this evening. PAN started in 2005. Uh, just a group of permaculture practitioners and teachers came together and said, we would be more effective working together. And our mission is to increase the resilience of the Northeast. Uh, we do that through webinars and in-person gatherings. Before the pandemic, one of our uh, biggest events was a convergence that we uh, hosted in the summer. Uh, since that time, we've shifted to online ways of connecting people uh, so that we can all create a more harmonious way of living with each other and with the earth. Oh, cool. So uh, I was curious, what is a convergence? A convergence, that's permaculture speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's when permaculture teachers and practi practitioners converge on a particular location uh, to practice our craft. Um, like I said, it's just uh, another word for a conference, but we don't call it a conference because we're typically outdoors. We're mm -hmm. typically being very active and um it's also a very fluid way of learning. So that's, uh, that's why we use the word convergence. I see. So Rev, do you know um, the history of lawns and why they became so popular? Well, a little bit. We know that in the 1700s uh, throughout Europe, lawns became more popular uh, because people were trying to emulate wealthy uh, folks. Uh, we know that the landscape industry was pretty much started by people who appreciated Louis XIV and the way he uh, designed his gardens. Mm -hmm. And he designed his gardens in uh, basically not out in the open, but in, in stone, in areas where there were stone enclosures. And he had a very uh, specific way of planting uh, 
plants so that there was space in between them. And because he was royalty, people felt that that's the way they ought to do it as well. Uh, so what happened was uh, when the uh, colonists came over to this country, they brought their ideas of wealth and the right way to do things with them. Mm-hmm. And so now we find that the lawns are not only uh, populating the whole entire United States, but the world. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my idea is that hmm, the British came here and brought their lawns. Uh, the British are gone, but the lawns are still here. Why mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a lot of sense. The uh, grass that they brought uh, is turf. This is um grass that grows only a certain height uh, when and it's very uh, popular in England because they get a lot of rain and the geese used to mow it for them. Uh, So that's why when you transplant that uh, type of grass, the turf actually, to the United States, we have all sorts of problems keeping it going because we already had native grass here that was doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And uh, it requires to have a turf style lawn, it requires that you kill everything else. And so I really liken lawns to be a a type of slavery. You know, we have enslaved the earth uh, with this one species. We have robbed the earth of the natural diversity that reinforces itself. Um, There's 68 million acres of lawn all across the United States. It's the one crop that we all participate in. Mm-hmm. And we participate in this crop without any real benefit. I mean, you, it's not a cash crop. You can't eat it. Mm-hmm. It's not making the soil better. Um, it requires a lot of chemicals uh, and pesticides to maintain a monoculture uh, appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it requires a lot of fossil fuels every week to mow it. Uh, and then after we mow it, we, we throw away the uh, the clippings. Uh, sometimes we pay people to take the clippings away. Um, so it's uh, really not a very cost-effective way to manage your lawn. We're just all still trying to be like British royalty. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really quite get it. it. I think this whole monoculture mindset also, uh, it kind of creeps into our just our everyday thought process that everything should be you know, only one species, it's only one look. And I think that's really the the main reason that we are working uh, with this unlawful campaign Mm -hmm. is to kind of decolonize ourselves and to give ourselves permission to be diverse right outside our door. Mm -hmm. How about if every day we have a lesson of diversity? Uh, Every day we can see how nature... um, encourages diversity, how the uh, different plants operate at different levels in terms of ground cover, uh, vines, bushes, the herbaceous layer, that uh, nature puts together um, a pretty splendid display if you haven't uh, programmed your mind to think that you can only appreciate exotics. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the the landscape industry did for us, emulating Louis XIV, Mm -hmm. is that you valued plants that were from someplace else and you devalued what was native. Uh, what people don't quite understand is that our all of our ecosystems are built in a thousand year relationships according to an aquifer that mm-hmm. um, you know waters the uh, waters everything underground. 
So you have plants, you have insects, you have birds. Uh, all of your species are very specific and interdependent in one particular location. So when you pull a plant out of that particular ecosystem, you've essentially created an orphan. You know, this is now a foster child that needs a whole lot of special care because the natural support system is no longer in place. The natural support system has, has been um, disrupted. And so I think if uh, once we regain this understanding that the land is in relationship with itself and can be in relationship with us, I think maybe we will start to shake loose some of, um, you know, some of this uh, attachment to uh, to lawns and, you know, monoculture ways of, of being. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's very important. Uh, this is something that we came to, um, again, if we're talking about resilience, uh, we need to make sure that the soil around us is healthy and that it, it can operate in a natural regenerating sort of way. Uh, the soil needs to be ready for, you know, our food, for our medicines, for, and they can be as close as our front door for some of the things that we need. Mm-hmm. And so, again, when the pandemic came and, uh, you know, things are not as available, we realized, hmm, maybe we need to step up our game in encouraging people to be resilient. And we're not encouraging people to be resilient by themselves. We are really encouraging people to work together in communities, to work with, you know, maybe one or two of your neighbors. You know, I say one on your left and one on your right. And you all take turns helping each other to restore the land back to its natural design. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be a, a lot less work. Um you know, initially there was work in terms of, you know, if you want specific plants to be specific places, there's initial installation. Um, but once you, again, follow the seven layer forest system, which is what we teach in permaculture, the land actually begins to take care of itself. And so you relieve yourself of fertilizing. You relieve yourself of watering. Uh, you relieve yourself of pesticides because there are plants that like to be next to each other uh, so that the area can be, you know, insect free. Mm -hmm. And those are the wonderful little secrets that you can't learn if you have smothered the land with turf. Mm -hmm. So Rev, um, I mean, I'm sure there are folks out there who are thinking, but I want open space, you know, around my house for sports activities or so on and so forth. But you you, you know, mentioned um, you mentioned native grass um, that would be you know be more resilient than European grass that was brought here. Are there some grass like plants that can be planted and as an alternative to that European grass? Yes, I mean there are various kinds of clovers mm-hmm. um, that any that's very low, and I think if you're looking at um, uh, you know, just different ground covers. Mm-hmm. And depending on the ecosystem, you know, even your winter berry, there's some really lovely vines that, you know, creeping Charlie, things that grow on the ground mm-hmm. naturally mm-hmm. and cover the space uh, so that you don't have to, uh, to be concerned with it. You know, people talk about wanting open space and, and I really get that. 
But how many people play outside in their yard anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I really see often. that these lawns are, to me, they're monoculture museums. Mm-hmm. You know, they're roped off. You know, no, don't walk on the grass because mm-hmm. you will mess it up. So sometimes I think we're a little inconsistent with what we say and, and what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are uh, just a number. And I I always, um, you know, I resist the urge to say, well, plant this plant, you know, because, again, Every situation, every um, ecosystem is a little different. And I really want to challenge people to be in better relationship. We have uh, permaculturists throughout, you know, I guess we have a kind of a core area of about 10 states um, that PAN covers. Uh, But recently we seem to be spreading. We have board members and staff members from Canada Mm -hmm. and we've gone down to New Jersey. So in terms of of people who are involved in the inner core. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we are, our corporate office, of, of course, is in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, but to the West, we're going as far as what, um, Pennsylvania? You know, so, yeah. Um, so that's the area that we're covering. We, uh, again, there's lots of permaculture practitioners in these areas. Um, they're on our, uh, they're active on our Facebook group. We also have listservs that people can join um, to be in conversation with uh, with the permaculturist so that you can get help. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Unlawful campaign, we have uh, put together a beautiful little map. Uh, again, go to the website and you will see uh, northeastpermaculture.org and you will uh, see an interactive map. And the map is designed for um, three different levels of participation. We know that some people will not want their uh, their address, you know, publicly displayed. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just a single individual, you know, there's a special color for that and your address will not be displayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a, a, a special color for organizations. Okay, because sometimes they do want people to know who they are and what they're doing. And then we have a third color for uh, projects. And these are areas where people are really coming together um, as a community uh, to restore space. And that's really what, you know, that's the highest level of participation uh, that we would like to see. Uh, We do have uh, the Resilience Hub in Maine that is starting to gather people together to look at open space and to to make this activity accessible to, to normal everyday folks who don't have access to permaculture information. Mm-hmm. Uh, permaculture has become sort of a, an elite sort of thing. And so we're really trying to decentralize and uh, to create this campaign in a way that increases access for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we're rolling it out in a slow fashion. Uh, we have started with um, just uh during the summer, we talked about why we should be unlawful. There are political reasons. There are social reasons. There are ecological reasons. Uh, there are economic reasons not to be um, uh, not to have turf on your front yard mm-hmm. or your backyard. <laughs> and so we talked about all of those reasons in webinars during the summer. And now, as we're moving into the uh, the winter. Um, 
we are looking at how do we do this? Okay, we, we know why we've identified even a small space on, the, on a yard uh, where if someone's not ready for their whole yard to be transformed, uh, I would say even as small as a two by two, you know, square, mm-hmm. you know, I think a five square foot space will give you, um, I think, more satisfaction so that you have a space for a wider variety of plants. But, you know, we want people to move at a space that's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have webinars. Um, we've just finished uh, a, an unlawful meet and greet online mm-hmm. uh, this past week. And we, we're we going to take, a, we know we're coming into holiday season. So we want to um, allow people time to spend with their their family. Maybe this is a good time to identify your neighbors they, who will work with you. In January, uh, we will start with the, uh, the how-to webinars. And uh, we hope that people will, you know, just enjoy learning together uh, in their in their home spaces as well as learning online. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton. For this current Fund Drive week, we have secured a matching grant from the generous estate of David Dow. So if you're a unique donor and make a donation from November 15th through the 19th, the estate will donate another $10. The estate will also make a dollar-for-dollar match during those dates. So don't miss your opportunity to expand your donation. We're talking with Rev Deli, recent facilitating director and president of the Board of Permaculture Association of the Northeast. Um, So, Rev, I know I'm always looking for ground covers that can stand up to foot traffic around... My house, I have tried, I did put in a pathway of thyme herb, mm-hmm. which is tradition, uh, I hear is traditional in England. Um, and it's, yeah, it was very beautiful this summer when it flowered and the pollinators, of course, love it. Um, so I felt like, wow, I finally, <laughs> I finally got my thyme pathway in. Uh, but you mentioned, um, you mentioned ground covers. I know locally Triple Brook Farm owner, Steve Breyer, has been experimenting with ground covers for, I believe, 30 years. And he has so many different options at his farm. We need to have him in on our how-to webinar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you for... uh, And see, that's what we want. We want to inspire conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not uh, coming in as the experts. We really want to be a catalyst for bringing communities together together. you know, to discover what works for them mm-hmm. and to uh, to really decentralize um, this idea of, of, uh, of unlawning. Because mm-hmm. people are expecting, well, what are you going to do as well? We're the catalyst. You know, we're inspiring people and we will be providing uh, online dialogue. Uh, and so during this time, we want people to come together. We're looking at the spring for um, people to start popping up with their uh, unlawful installations. Mm -hmm. And we hope that they will take pictures and put them in our Facebook group, Um, even join our Facebook group now to uh, start the conversations going. Uh, When we have our webinars, we do um, have small group breakouts so that people from the same area can get to know each other and start developing uh, really good relationships. Also in the new year, we are working on an unlawful app. 
so that we can measure the impact, right? And the app will allow you to take before and after pictures to be able to log volunteer hours, uh, to identify the soil health uh, before and after, your biodiversity before and after. Um, there will be uh, a place, you know, just to identify the measurement. What's the amount of space that you have uh, dedicated to this experiment? Uh, we're hopeful that of the 10 states that are in our specific region, that um, at least 50 lawns per state will uh, be unlawned during this campaign. We're really mm -hmm. looking to create a regional benefit. And mm -hmm. so that's, um, we hope everyone who's listening to this will, you know, consider just a small patch, one corner of your yard. You know. Will you please set that patch free? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so Rev, you mentioned, uh, what is the website where people can go and uh, sign up, become members or... Uh, northeastpermaculture.org. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they and can track you can go to uh, Pan mm -hmm. and uh, P A N. The you know Pan uh, Northeast Permaculture is um, also our Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Facebook group. Um, we also um, have created a, a little fundraiser, and I I don't have a means to show it to you. I'm on my phone. I have very limited space. Mm -hmm. But there are unlawful signs uh, that you can buy to uh, stake out in your yard. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, we're hopeful that, again, as communities come together, that maybe, um, you know, maybe 10 people will all buy unlawful signs and put them all up in one neighborhood. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm -hmm. You could just drive by and, and look at people who are you know, taking a step towards uh, res uh, greater resilience and just uh, a kinder, more gentler way of living with Earth. Mm -hmm. So, Rev, I mean, time-wise, do you have a sense of um, which option is more time-consuming, having a grass lawn uh, versus planting other a variety of plants, having to weed, remove dead plant material, watering? I think, well, if, again, if you use a variety of plants that like to work together, mm -hmm. uh, you will eliminate watering. Mm -hmm. uh, you will create a lawn that is drought resistant. Mm -hmm. uh, and in areas where you're prone to flooding, you know, maybe you live in a flood zone. Mm -hmm. uh, if you plant, uh, you know, again, plants that like wet feet, mm -hmm. uh, you maybe you can avoid some of the uh the damage that's happened, you know, when there's too much water running around uh, your house, mm -hmm. you know, the damage to your foundation. So I think um, first, if you look at how much time that people spend, uh, you know, fertilizing, seeding and the mowing and the watering, mm -hmm. um, I think you I think they're very it's a very expensive proposition. Uh, just 100 square feet. A uh, hundred square foot lawn uh, to water it during the summer mm -hmm. um, just takes the same amount of water that would fill three Olympic-sized swimming pools. Oh wow! Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, so yeah. I think we some of these costs are hidden, mm -hmm. um, and they're hidden because the earth absorbs it, right? And also because the turf, um, you know, doesn't allow uh, penetration very 
deep into the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it rains, the runoff from that turf uh, sends all those pesticides uh, straight to our rivers, mm-hmm. straight to our watershed. And so what's the cost of uh, polluting our watershed with the lawns? Mm-hmm. I, I think we need to understand that the cost is not just your personal cost, but what is the cost to the community uh, socially and what is the cost to the earth? Because once you've polluted your water, now you have to spend more money. You have to pay more taxes mm-hmm. right, to uh, you know, filter and clean your water just so that you have clean drinking water. So mm-hmm. I think that lawns are actually a pretty expensive proposition mm-hmm. uh, when you look at all of the costs that are associated with it. Mm-hmm. Again, this is we're really helping people to come out of these shells of, I only want to look at me, you know, just me and, and my two people that live with me. And that's just not real. Uh, all of us are interdependent in different kinds of ways, and we would like for that interdependence to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think part of unlawning is what makes it healthy. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking about the, you were talking about hidden, the hidden costs. Uh, I was thinking mm-hmm. of the sort of hidden benefits, replacing a lawn with a variety of plants like increase local food production, restore habitat for pollinators, other wild animals, reduce water and fertilizer requirements. So there are a lot of, a lot of hidden benefits as well. There are. And one thing that you didn't mention was just mm-hmm. the um, emotional and mental benefit. Um, right, right. The American Psychology Association has already they've already proven that, you know, in cities that have a, a high canopy tree canopy cover, that the uh, the mental health is better in those mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Crime is actually lower. Mm-hmm. OK, because the plants are and the trees are uh, they're actually created in symbiotic relationship with human beings. And so there's um, we actually need to be in proximity with plants in order to be emotionally and mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think and there's studies, you know, I'm not just making this up. Um, <laughs> I'm not just on a bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many studies done by you know medical uh, associations proving that. And some, like I said, some cities have even written it into their uh, plan to increase uh, canopy cover by 30 percent, you know, each year until they get to a certain level of uh, tree canopy cover. We know that when you have diversity of plants, the temperature goes down. Mm-hmm. OK, so mm-hmm. if people are worried about, you know, droughts, we've had extremely uh, you know, hot summers Okay, well, if we had plants that were accustomed to uh, being in that heat, if they were accustomed to working together, you can uh, decrease the temperature in your neighborhood 10 to 20 degrees. Mm -hmm. And so that's a benefit. I think that's something, uh, particularly in the South and Southwest, that we all ought to be uh, looking at. Uh, Rather than looking at water rationing, we ought to be looking at planting uh, lawns that preserve water. Mm -hmm. We need to take a station break, but please stay with us because when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Rev Deli, recent facilitating director and president of the Board of Permaculture Association of the Northeast. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, an independent nonprofit community-run station in Northampton, Massachusetts. The show streams on valleyfreeradio.org, where you can also find our program schedule and become involved with the station.
During this fun drive week, if you own your own business, you have the opportunity to support Valley Free Radio by underwriting a show or all of the shows. For your generous uh, monetary donation, your business or event will be added to the on-air lineup and repeated throughout the week. Seeing a student read something to a class, a student that has completely shut down, to see that same student a year later standing in front of a whole room full of kids and reading something is like the best. We get to see the whole process. Little steps turn into huge victories. I mean, we really spend a lot of time making sure that every kid finds success. It's not that the child is looking successful, but is actually being successful. Whole Children is an organization that offers extracurricular and enrichment activities for children of all abilities. I mean, we have kids with autism, kids with Down syndrome, kids with no diagnosis. We've seen students succeed in a classroom setting who haven't been in a classroom with peers for years, but also kids who are typical benefit because they leave the class with like a larger view of abilities that these these kids who are, we, who I maybe didn't notice as much before have so much to offer. Sometimes I, I think say. the peers benefit even, even more. Even more, yeah. Any child yeah. would benefit from going to a class like Whole Children. Whole Children is on Route 9 in Hadley. Wholechildren.org. Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3, Northampton. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of Valley Free Radio. River Valley Co-op specializes in fresh, local, and organically grown foods, fresh produce, meat and seafood, cheese and dairy, bread and baked goods, and an in-house deli, along with a wide selection of bulk foods and a large selection of natural and organic grocery items. Owned by its customers, although everyone is welcome. Co-op ownership is not required. Open daily 8 to 10, 330 North King Street, Northampton. Phone 413-584-2665, rivervalleymarket.com. Co-op. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of free speech in the Pioneer Valley. Tune into Valley Free Radio, Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. for Reggae Down, a reggae music show with Rasta Paul as host, and reggae music from all over the world, from Jamaican to Iceland. Reggae music is listened to, popular in the Rastafarian culture, and values that apply to all people. That's Reggae Down, Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. on Valley Free Radio. We love the reggae. We love the dance hall. We love the music. The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. My name is Jessica, Sue Timberlake co-host and show producer Tom Clark. Join me in the studio. We've been talking with Rev Deli, recent facilitating director and president of the Board of Permaculture Association of the Northeast. Uh, so Rev, I was curious if there were any models of similar projects that inspired the unlawful, unlawful campaign. I'm not aware of any specifically. Mm -hmm. I know that there are environmental organizations that 
you know, periodically uh, plant a lot of trees. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, biodiversity for livable climate has um, a special uh, design of forests that they are uh, you're using a model from Japan that um, they're they're using the model from Japan, but they're using Native American species to mm-hmm. uh, plant, you know, forests in urban areas. So I'm aware more of people doing uh, tree plantings. Um, I'm not aware of people encouraging whole communities to remove their lawns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but if you're aware of them, we would love to be in collaboration with them. Uh, right now, uh, we are, uh, again, we're inspiring people and we're fundraising ourselves. Uh, we're a very small um, organization uh, and have we have to really put together uh, a new staffing pattern to really get to the level of uh, penetration that, that we would like to see. Um, but I'm, I'm not aware of people encouraging, um, on lawning, uh, you know, lawns are almost, uh, sacred cows here in the United States. You can mm-hmm. get in a lot of trouble for not having the right looking lawn. Um, oh, it yeah. can cost you money with, you know, fees and your neighbors will shun you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, myself, even when I was living in a, a rural area, um, we even have rural areas that are trying to keep up with the suburbs. I got in trouble because my front lawn was all clover. And one year it rained so uh, much that the clover grew like six inches tall. Oh, wow. And the uh, the neighbors were irate. And even the chief, mm-hmm. I was in a very small town of 1,800 people. Mm-hmm. And the chief of police came by and he says, you don't live out in the county. You know, you're in the you're in the city, the city that had one stoplight and mm-hmm. one thousand eight hundred <laughs> people, uh, you know, uh, and he they were just irate. And it really occurred to me that these people in this rural town really saw themselves as uh, people living in a gated suburban community. Mm-hmm. So I think we uh, have to really look at the ideas of the uh, aesthetics that we have attributed to ourselves or the aesthetics that we lock ourselves into. Mm-hmm. This is really an important part of freeing ourselves um, to be unlawful. Um, yeah. I well, think it's about education. The, uh, education. It is about education. I wanted to spend a little bit of time just for, for people who don't know, you know, what is permaculture anyway? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is this word? Um Permaculture was uh, started by some Australians in the 1980s who were already experiencing climate change and change. And they went around the world looking at indigenous land management and said, oh, maybe if we you know, copied some of this indigenous land management, we could do better. Mm-hmm. And so they began to package that the ecological way of, of living with the land and then gave it this, um, you know, this really Western verbiage, uh, a Western verbiage overlay. So we have principles. We have three ethics, uh, earth care, people care, and fair share. And there are 12 principles that undergird uh, a permaculture uh, design system. Uh, Permaculture is not uh, gardening. It's actually a design uh, system uh, so that you are learning how to Position things in relationship to each other so that your homestead is more effective and more efficient. Um, 
So I just, that's the other piece I like to remind people. This is not just about gardening. It's about design. It's not just about the physical uh, space that you have. We also have a segment of that we call social permaculture. How can uh, the human society learn from nature in terms of uh, diversity? You know, how mm-hmm. can we learn to live together more harmoniously uh, in you know, close proximity to each other? How can we learn to uh, give each other breathing room? I just recently saw um, a video that showed how the uh the treetops, when they when the canopy is too close together, they um, they have a, a way of working with the wind so that they they it opens and expands itself, um, mm-hmm. so that the leaves don't crowd each other out and uh, you know create mold and mildew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there are a lot of things that we can learn from nature if we allow nature to be close to us. Uh, we. Somehow we forgot that human beings are also a part of nature. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, and a lot of our organs uh, mimic nature. You know, our lungs look like tree branches. Even our brain cells look like tree saplings. Uh, our thumbprint looks like uh, the tree rings. You know, if you look mm-hmm. uh, under mm-hmm. you know microscopes. And so, um, just we're hoping to again a. Uh, our goals are to help people change, to help create a cultural change, and to have these installations, hopefully uh, 500 lawns, uh, converted uh, over a year's time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, you know, this is a, a slow process uh, in terms of changing culture, changing ideas of beauty, uh, changing, you know, weekly, you know, habits of, of how you operate in your yard. So we are, are giving ourselves time uh, to grow. I think uh, we're not trying to grow lettuce that grows real quickly. We're growing oak trees, right? A little oak you know, seed takes a long time to, to become a mature tree. But once it's there, it's um, really a, uh, a standing member. It's, it's uh, kind of like a keystone species. It's something that impacts the whole environment. And so that's, you know, human beings have the potential to uh, to be helpful and to steward the abundance that nature uh, just gives automatically. We don't have to be you know, the scourge species that's destroying everything. And so I think, you know, that's something else. Again, all of these emotional benefits, these social benefits, this is also a part of what permaculture is. Uh, you know, the design of how we are human communities together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Rev, I'm constantly um, saying, asking myself, you know, what would nature do in this situation? And of course, oh, in the, of course, in the fall, you know, you're looking around, watching people rake up the leaves that would, you know, in a forest, the leaves fall and then they break down and they provide fertilizer for all the plants. But in our society... You know, you see the the lawn care company comes over and they suck up all the they rake them up. They suck up all the leaves. They take them off to I don't know where to maybe hopefully a compost pile or something somewhere. And people pay for that (laughs) and leave this sterile lawn, grass lawn. It leaves it bare. I mean, the the Mm -hmm. leaves um, would provide covering. You Mm -hmm. know, we have to remember that uh, in 
you know, when nature is left to her own devices, nothing is left bare. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's always a covering. Uh, Nothing grows in straight lines. Okay. It's always Mm -hmm. a, a beautiful spiral or if it's a circle or it's, it's something round, earth is round. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's something we need to, again, get used to. We need to, uh, decolonize our mind to say, okay, we don't have to have straight lines. Mm -hmm. We don't have to have bare earth in between each of our plants. Um, I think we need to just give ourselves permission to, uh, reframe what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And to uh, to start appreciating natural beauty, uh, you know, we know that a lot of plants uh, are used in aromatherapy. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can grow plants that will, you know, keep your spirits lifted up high. You know, mm-hmm. keep you in a good mood uh, when you have cleaner air because you have more trees in the space. Uh, you can remove your asthma. Mm-hmm. Right. So with, there are some medical benefits that we could have by uh, allowing ourselves to diversify by setting that lawn free. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Reb, what are the goals? Uh, are there specific goals to the Unlawful campaign? Well, like I said, we want to in terms of numbers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over the course of the year, we'd like to see 500 lawns uh restored to their natural design Mm -hmm. and uh, we will right now people can uh, sign into our Facebook page and they can say I'm being unlawful that's the other thing Um, using our hashtag we're hashtag unlawful will help us keep track of that Mm -hmm. so we have the 500 uh, lawns we have just the the change in people's perception of beauty Um, we want to um, you know, just help help communities not only restore individual lawns, but to create um, hubs of people who work together to maintain natural design. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. a, another goal. Um, we have one such hub in formation in Maine right now. Uh, it's being kind of stewarded by uh, an organization called the Resilience Hub. Uh, mm-hmm. And we would like that would be another goal is to um, make sure that uh, people are identifying, you know, we are in this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an, an, uh, an important part of the, uh, the campaign. Uh, we will just see again when we get the app up and running, then we can, you know, track all of the, the metrics. Uh, but we really... Uh, we have, I think, probably more social goals than we have um, metric-based goals. Mm-hmm. Well, I so when I installed the pollinator garden at my house, um, you know, I would think in terms of for people who maybe don't necessarily really enjoy gardening, but they want to help pollinators and you know restore habitat. Um, what, you know, what's it, what's going to make it easier for the everyday person to install one of these gardens? And so I thought about having designs available, having a, you know, a plant kit. So locally here, um, the Pollinator Network started finding nurseries that can put a plant kit together so someone can just go pick up their kit, have the design plan, you know, plunk it down in the yard. Yeah. 
Um, there is, um, we have, uh, again, if you go to our website, we've mm-hmm. uh, put together uh, a toolkit that will help oh, nice. people. Yeah. Um, that will help people in this process. And some of those things are listed. Um, as we get into the, again, the how to part, we have the why unlawful, we have the how to unlawful, and then we have the, um, you know, then we have the installations, the little pop up part of our, of our campaign. So, you know, there are nurseries that, um, what is that uh, Prairie Moon Nursery mm-hmm. that has uh, different lawn mixtures and they even have, well, this is a low mixture. This is a high mixture. This is a mixture for shady areas. Mm-hmm. This is a mixture for wet areas. This is a mixture for dry areas. So we do have nurseries that are already responding mm-hmm. to that. That's great. And uh, again, that will uh, be part of our, our how-to seminars. We will, you know, and we're going to be adding to that toolkit, online toolkit with links and resources. Uh, right now, again, we're really focusing on the social aspect of let's get people together who want to do this. Why not go uh, to the site, you know, buy one of the unlawful signs and mm-hmm. put it in your yard mm-hmm. so that people can, again, can see, oh, there's something going on. I'm not the only one because people... We have found that people are afraid to unlawn because of the social stigma and the, mm-hmm. the fines and the fees that they think might be incurred. Mm-hmm. So if we just even spend this time, you know, getting, um, you know, at least, you know, 10 unlawful signs in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that that's kind of our first awareness piece is so that people are seeing that we're all doing this together. Uh, no one's going to be singled out uh, to be shamed. Uh, <laughs> really? I mean, this is, and oh, you yeah, know, I've, I've heard a, stories, believe me. Yeah. And so I think that's, we, if we skip over the social aspect, mm-hmm. then we will not be so successful with the ecological aspect. Right. And I think that's, um, again, because we trained ourselves to be, you know, monoculturally focused, we forget those different supporting uh, aspects that make uh, this kind of work successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say, you know, uh, I'm a- encouraging people to, again, not look at this as an individual endeavor but to look at, okay, what community groups can be supportive? Can I invite, you know, permaculture designers out to give a neighborhood talk? The mm-hmm. master gardeners, can we bring them out to talk about integrated pest management? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we get the boy and the Girl Scouts or the Boys and Girls Clubs or, or even the soccer moms, you know, when, when they're not out there, mm-hmm. you know, on the soccer field? Can we get some of them interested? Can we look at... Um, restoring some natural design areas in our playgrounds Mm -hmm. so that children grow up thinking that this is beautiful and this is natural. Um, I know of some areas where they have, um, they have gardens next to the playground so that, uh, if children want a snack, you know, there's a grapevine Mm -hmm. there. They can go and get grapes or their carrots even, you know, they, you know, again, uh, teaching children, you know, growing cherry tomatoes so that someone can go and just pluck one in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, looking at uh, just looking at this in a more broad, uh, a broader sense than this is 
What am I going to do on my lawn? Mm-hmm. You know, what are we going to do in our neighborhood to right. um, make sure that our, our children have healthy food, healthy and accessible food to eat uh, so that we have beauty that helps lift our spirits so we are not depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we have a diversity of species so that our, uh, our yards can survive drought mm-hmm. um, and they can redirect, you know, deluges of rain uh, once they're designed properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm, at this point, that's why we're spending a lot of time in this awareness part of the campaign so that people kind of come out of the box of me and mine. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I, um, so I got permission from the city of Northampton to convert a grass island uh, into a pollinator Oasis and just having a group of small group of volunteers out there for the last three weekends. It's amazing how many people, how many neighbors um, stop by to say, Hey, what's going on over here? And they get all excited and, Oh, wow. I want to help, you know, plant the plants next spring and summer. Uh, so it just, you know, it natu- naturally community members come over and check it out and want to know what's going well, on. Put, well, good. Why don't you get some of our unlawful signs and stick them in that public space yes. so that people can uh, be thinking they can start to internalize that and mm-hmm. think that, well, maybe a small space in my you know, yard would be you know good for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great idea. I will look into that. Uh, so. Uh, Rev, we have uh, about a minute left. Uh, are there any last factoids you want to throw out or to the, share the website again so people can okay, sign up? Okay, northeastpermaculture.org. You can email us at info at northeastpermaculture.org. You can join our Facebook group, uh, which is PAN. Um, you can come to our website and uh, join our interactive map. Uh, you can download the toolkit. Mm-hmm. So there are many ways that you can begin to uh, to join this campaign uh, and join our mailing list so that you get a notice for the uh, all of the different how to webinars that mm-hmm. will be happening. And, uh, you know, put your picture on Facebook, take a picture of your yard and say, this is my before picture mm-hmm. and put on Lawnful and uh, and just feel like you have a a cheering group that's working with you because we're here and Mm -hmm. we do want to cheer you on. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, uh, Rev Deli, recent facilitating director and president of the Board of Permaculture Association of the Northeast. If you'd like to support our show and all of the other great shows here on Valley Free Radio, please go to valleyfreeradio.org forward slash donate and make a donation today. Thank you for your support. Uh, oh, and currently we have uh, five. Sue loves to bring uh, these gift cards in from River Valley Co-op. If you make any amount of donation, you can stop by and get one of these uh, River Valley Co-op gift cards. You may find additional information about Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio's website, valleyfreeradio.org. To listen to archive shows of earlier guests, visit our podcast site at farmtofork.org pinecast p-i-n-e-c-a-s-t dot c-o our theme song sometimes i wonder where my food comes from was written by scraggly dan and the stragglers for this farm to fork radio program
Farm to Fork is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. If you would like to hear past episodes, you can go to farmtofork.pinecast.co or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, or any podcast service that you use. Just search for Farm to Fork on WXOJ.